the Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready? Ready. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome into the Action Network podcast. We are presented by BetMGM, the king of sports books. It is time for NFL best bets for NFL Week 17. The regular crew, the OG crew, back in the saddle. We have Brandon Anderson, Vegas Refund, aka Luke Swain, and we have our friend Jill Gallant, the anytime touchdown guru himself. Hope you all had a great holiday. And uh, we're rolling into the new year uh, with this Best Bets podcast before week 18. We've got week 17 this week. You can find, if you haven't done so already, the video version of the Best Bets pod on our Action Network YouTube page. Once you hit subscribe there, please give the video a like. And we appreciate the five-star ratings and reviews on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to download the free award-winning Action Network app. You can follow Luke, Jill, and Brandon there individually. And you can also find us on the Action Network Discord server uh, in the episode description if you want to hop in during the games. Loaded one o'clock slate, 10 games this week. Guys will be in there chopping it up. Great way to build your community as well in the NFL gambling world. Six and three week when we had the musical chairs episode uh, during Christmas week. And then you add a 2-0 week from uh, the look-ahead spots as well in Week 16. So all in all, we are 86-72 and 72 for the season when you compile best bets and the look-ahead spots. I turn it over to you, Brandon Anderson, for your first best bet of Week 17. What do you have for us? All right. Well, I am back. I am live from my bunker here in North Dakota, if you're watching the video but my heart is still in Chicago, so I'm going back to Chicago. Give me the Bears, minus three against the Falcons. Chicago, I just think, is better at mostly everything than Atlanta. I'm not really too sure what Atlanta is supposed to be better at, and this line is effectively calling these teams about even with each other. I don't think they are. I think that Chicago has been clearly the better team. By season-long DVOA, they're ahead of Atlanta in offense and defense and special teams. That's everything. Atlanta is built to run the football. They rank 21st running the football. The Bears are 10th, so the Bears are better at the thing Atlanta is trying to do. Atlanta is built to stop the run. They're pretty good at it. The Bears are better at it. I think, too, there's a real home field advantage here for Chicago. We're probably looking at weather in the 30s, probably 12 to 15 mile an hour winds. It's the Windy City. Atlanta has been bad on the road. They are 2-5 and five on the road this season. They lost to the Titans. The Cardinals, the Panthers, you may recognize those teams as out of the playoffs, picking near the top of the draft. Atlanta is averaging under 14 points a game on the road this season. And Chicago has won four in a row at home, 25 points a game for them. Offense is a lot better at home as well. And really, if you look more recently, the Bears are a team that I've been backing. They were one of those look-aheads that you mentioned, Brendan. They had the game against the Cardinals last week, coasted out to a huge lead early. Bears' last six games are the number one DVOA defense against the pass. They're number three DVOA overall defensively, and the number five just as a team by DVOA. Like, the Bears are good. The Bears are a good football team right now, and I just don't think that books have quite caught up to that yet. 
And, you know, we got to do it. We're going to fade the NFC South. I think DeBundo was on a couple weeks ago telling us the stat sure. that I'm coming back with here. NFC South and non-division games, 16-26 against the spread, 38%. Atlanta is 2-8 and eight in non-division games this season against the spread. And really important uh, trend that you need to know for this week. In week 16 to 18, teams that are in must-win spots, and I'll explain how I'm defining that, they're getting too much credit by the books here. So that's Atlanta in this spot. Now here's the trend. Teams that have, are winning 40 to 60% of their games, that's Atlanta, they're facing an opponent just a little bit worse, 5 to 25% worse by win rate. So if you look at that matchup, 40 to 60% win rate versus 5 to 25% worse, that's the Bears here. In week 16 to 18, those teams like the Falcons are 52, 104, and 6 against the spread. 33% cover rate. And that is not wow. a small sample. That is two decades of saying, hey, when it's at the end of the season and you're like, well, got to pick the Falcons. The Bears are already done. The Falcons need the game here. Books know that we want to think that and they're adding points into the spread. And I think that that is getting some credit here to Atlanta that they really shouldn't have. And that trend, if you say, okay, well, what if the team that has to win, what if they won last week? So we're already riding high on them. It's even worse for them then. They go to 12, 34, and 3. So 26% cover rate, fail to cover by a touchdown, six points, basically. I think people are just a little too excited about Atlanta. Good, good job for them. They beat Indianapolis. I don't really make much of Indy, so I don't make much of that game. Chicago's been the better team since September. I honestly think Chicago is good enough right now that they could be in the playoff hunt, but, you know, they gave some games away. So if you look at the lines, this is Bears minus three. It's stuck right at that key number all week. I think this is going to maybe get to minus two and a half based on where some of the juice is trending. If you want to wait, I don't mind waiting to try to get below the key. I'm fine. Bears minus three. That's the pick for the pod here. I would make it Bears minus four or better. So give me Chicago, even though I'm in North Dakota, keep my heart in Chicago, Bears minus three. Hey, you mentioned the home field component, how it favors the Bears. And just looking through the schedule for the uh, the Atlanta Falcons, when they are not playing in a dome, remember that game a few weeks ago against Carolina? Now that was a soggy game, uh, but just God awful. They completely change. I think they did cover a short number uh, against Arizona or they played a tight game with Arizona Arizona may, may have been an underdog in that game but all in all I completely agree with the Falcons just being inept outdoors cold weather in Chicago Luke Swain what do you have for a first best bet for week 17 I'm gonna go with the Dolphins right now again three and a half at the Ravens on Sunday for some reason I keep thinking they're playing Saturday but um when this line first came out like honestly I was surprised that it was three and a half and I was expecting it to go up after that shellacking that the Ravens gave the Niners on Monday. But both teams are, I guess you could say, in a letdown spot after the Dolphins had a big win against the Cowboys. Ravens had a big win against the Niners, which I would probably say that the Ravens game would be, if anyone has more of a letdown, it might be the Ravens because beating the Niners like they did um, was honestly huge. And the one aspect that I, I've heard a couple times um, that you really can't quantify that I might be giving more credit for than others is that the Ravens just the Ravens defense just forced four turnovers against that Niners offense with Brock Purdy. And now we're getting McDaniels, who is coming from the Niners, um, who runs a very similar offense 
getting all of that tape and all of what the Ravens did defensively against the Niners and being able to prepare for that because it did seem like the Niners, I don't know if they just weren't prepared or caught off guard or whatever it was, uh, but the Miami getting that type of tape and it didn't seem like they were holding their cards for this game whatsoever. I do think um, is worth something. Um, And at three and a half, the injury report, we haven't really gotten it today. Um, I do know Waddle's out and the line really didn't move, Uh, but there are a couple other injuries worth monitoring. But this Ravens defense, like if they go into San Fran, shut them down, and then shut this Miami offense down, like that is going to be scary. Um, and it's on, honestly a tough task back-to-back weeks on a short week, which the four turnovers, like I, I want to say like one of them was legit. Like there were a bunch of tip passes, and then you got the right. the quote-unquote lucky plays, which honestly, like they were. Uh, but this defense is legitimate. But this Ravens offense, I just can't trust. Like. Honestly, they were gifted four possessions, and there were t- at times like Niners defense is no slouch. It was just difficult. Like when they were in the on the goal line, and it took them, and Gus Edwards finally pushed it, punched it in on fourth down. Like everything, just there's just no fluidity to this Ravens offense, and Lamar definitely should be the MVP right now. Um, but between these two offenses, I just trust probably Miami's more, and Miami's defense is legit. Like, I feel like they're not getting anywhere near the credit that they, that they should be right now. Um, and they just are backfilling with injuries. Like, and it's, and I just think this Miami defense is probably one of, if n- probably the second best unit in this game, um, mm-hmm. which out of all four units, I trust the Ravens offense the least. Um, so we're just getting at three and a half. It's a play. I think they're going to win. Raheem Mostert didn't practice Thursday. HM was out there. Tyree Kill was at practice Thursday. Um, it, all of your analysis there makes me think under maybe two forty six and a half, just because you see those two teams and those two logos, you think high scoring shootout, but let down spots. And yeah, I mean, you nailed it too. I think Baltimore had a ton of favorable field position opportunities uh, to not have to move the ball that much to set themselves up to score in that game on Monday night. Jill Gallant, welcome back. Uh, Jill doesn't yep. just bet touchdowns, everybody. He likes the interception market, too, and he's actually targeting the game Luke just hit on. Yeah, I'm going to be actually fading the uh, the MVP, according to Luke, uh, of Lamar Jackson and taking his interception prop for yes at plus 105, echoing a lot of the same things that he had said, but kind of going to expand a little bit more on this Dolphins defense that I think is pretty underrated. So they've got seven interceptions. Uh, sorry, Lamar Jackson has thrown for seven interceptions this year, but this Dolphins defense... They ranked top five in total passes defended. So that's that meaning a defender was actually in range to potentially intercept the ball. Um, and our top five also in interception rate per drop back. So Miami, their defense, they rank first in pressure rate, but they're bottom five in blitz rate. So that means that a lot of the time their defensive line is getting through and their secondary can just sit back in coverage and wait for you to toss the ball. And they forced an op- uh, opposing quarterback to throw an interception and Eight of the last 10 games, uh, 12 of 15 games overall, it would have been nine in a row. Uh, Dak Prescott did throw an interception, but it was called back from a penalty. So we'll call it what it is. But uh, the Dak pick was called back. Um, Now, also, another thing that I uh, was looking at is for anybody who listens to the pod, I'm sure you're aware when Brandon was doing his power rankings of teams and how they would subsequently fall uh, from grace pretty much the next week. Well, one of the things that I've been doing is specifically when it comes to the MVP and it comes to interception odds. 
And I've been playing with it for the last few weeks. And this is finally the week where I wanted to actually put an official bet on it. So this is called the fade the MVP spot where you're essentially taking the MVP to throw an interception the week after he becomes the favorite to become MVP. So if you go back and look throughout the season, when Patrick Mahomes finally separated himself and he became the favorite for MVP versus the Eagles, he threw an interception. That following week, Jalen Hurts becomes the MVP favorite because they beat, uh, but he throws an interception versus the Bills. Right after that, Dak becomes the MVP favorite. Next week, he throws an interception against the Bills. Purdy, this past week, is the MVP favorite, throws four interceptions versus the Ravens. So again, there's been a lot of uh, time now where these quarterbacks, they're maybe not getting or maybe they're getting a little too much respect in the interception market, especially in this kind of matchup. So Lamar Jackson, I think, is going to throw an interception this week. And at plus 105 against this Dolphins defense, I'm going to take it every time. Did you Have you tracked like what their interception odds were prior to the week that they became the MVP favorite? Yeah, of course. But I mean, a lot of those guys like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, it depends on the matchup. Like Josh Allen, as the year has gone on, his odds have become minus odds to the point where they're like minus 180. But Mahomes... It depending on the matchup, it'll never really go past minus 115 for him to throw a pick. And then mm-hmm. some weeks you'll see it around plus 105. But now Mahomes, uh, because of that, is actually the interception profits leader for the season now at just over seven and a half units. So and Dak, he was uh, around minus 110 to throw an interception against Buffalo. So not surprising uh, being on the road in Buffalo. But uh, Brock Purdy, he was around plus 105 against the Ravens this past week to throw an interception and four were happening. So uh I I wouldn't probably put too much stock in the odds per se, but I would definitely say a lot of the time when they're becoming MVP, they're facing this matchup that probably where they should be a little bit lower odds and we're getting a little bit more value as a result of their previous play. It's funny you say that because looking in the market now, Mahomes to throw a pick against Cincinnati, yes, at minus 120 uh, is what we're seeing right now on Patrick Mahomes. So the market has caught up and corrected itself in the second last week of the season. Brandon from the bunker is fading the NFC South yet again. I'd actually like to know. I mean, you don't, I, Brandon, I doubt it. You might know because you just are that kind of guy. You might know what your record is in the bunker and how profitable you are when you make <laughs> picks from that location. But I, I don't mind this strategy of just fading the NFC South once again with your second one. Yeah, I don't have the record from the bunker, but I do know that uh, fading the <laughs> NFC South has gone well for us on this podcast. So we'll stick with that. Going to go to Saints Bucks. We got ourselves an NFC divisional game. Divisions on the line. Give me the under 43. I'm going to stay in the division and keep fading these terrible teams, right? That's just the way to go here. We've talked about the trend in the division. We'll get to that. This total has actually gone up this week. It was around 41, 41 and a half on Sunday. So it's ticking up 43 at one book. Grab that, obviously, if you can. That movement matters. 40 and 41 is kind of a key number range for totals. 43 also can be a key number. So even having the possibility of a push, definitely want to grab that if you can. Really just betting against bad blah offenses. Like I don't think I need to make the case too much of what we're looking at here. Both defenses are just a little better than what they're going to face. Bucks defense has been above average on the season. Saints are really bad, especially on third down. Bucks defense has been number one on third down for the season. The Saints defense has been slipping a little bit. I've been on here fading them at times, but the main area they've slipped is the run defense. Bucks can't run to save their life, so that's not really going to be a big factor, I think, in this game anyway. Saints' pass defense has still been pretty good, top 10 for the season. So I just think the defenses have the advantage here. Again, I like where this game is at. In Tampa Bay, 
Bucks games at home this season have been better for Tampa defensively and worse offensively. They're 24th on offense at home versus 10th on the road. They're 7th on defense at home versus 16th on the road by DVOA. And if you look at how do the games play out, it plays out that way. In Tampa Bay, Bucks games are under 35 points a game. That's both teams combined. Away from home, 48.5 points a game. So it's a huge difference. Tampa is under this number, six of the seven home games in Tampa. And then we've done this trend before in the NFC South. When teams in the division have played each other this season, we've had nine of these crap games now. We have to keep watching because no one will win the stupid division. And all but one of the nine games has topped out at 39 or below. So I don't know what this total is doing going up. They played to 35 points the last time. Those games are averaging for this season, an entire division, 35.2 points a game. Get this stupid division out of here. The Saints are 10 and 5 to the under. The Bucks are 9 and 6 to the under. Todd Bowles actually been really good against Pete Carmichael's offense lately. Saints have only averaged under 17 a game the last six games against the Bucks. So I think that that matches up well here as well. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield. With totals under 44 is the second most profitable quarterback in our system to the under 66%. There's some late season division trends to the under. You've heard enough. Take the under, take the under 43. I kind of like the Bucs here. I, I hope that they just win the division and we don't have to do this again in week 18. But our luck rankings have the Saints <laughs> second to last in luck. Bucks number two in luck. And this is uh, the Tampa is actually one of the must win teams here by the trend that I gave earlier. So I'm going to be careful. I probably won't just do the box. I was thinking about that here. Maybe just a first half play because they've been much better there. But why bet against the Saints when I bet against the Bucks too? Just give me the under, under 43, under the NFC South, bury them, get them out of here. Tampa Bay averaging close to 30 points a game the last three weeks. Um, but Brandon suspects that might come back down to earth in an in-division matchup. It is going to be a nice day in Tampa Sunday. Sunny. High of 66. Because, like, I'm just just to play devil's advocate, some of these games in Tampa, they've had rain, they've had wind, they've been sure. sloppy. They've, they've made the slop well, even more sloppy. It, it was, uh, was going to be so. a nice game, and then they're going to put an NFC South football game on the television. It won't be a nice game, nice day anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. The Action Network podcast is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Luke, what do you got for your second one? So I'm going to go with the Panthers right now at plus six and a half, which, man, like this Jack team is just in like total disarray right now. And yeah, like normally it would be like something that you want to like buy low on the Jags, like <laughs> expecting they, a bounce who back. They, who do they just sign off the practice squad? Matt Barkley. Is that right? Matt Barkley <sighs> is on their active roster now or could be if Lawrence is in danger of playing in this game. I don't know if it's Matt Barkley, but it, it's just like in, I don't think any team I, I've lost more than the Jags this year. And like the buy lows, like those are out the door. I tried yep. last week. They got destroyed by the box. It, it's just like total disarray. And right now it's at six and a half because it's, I guess it's like somewhat of a middling number based off of uh, Trevor Lawrence on whether he plays, which I know he's been practicing in limited fashion. And this is like the third time or fourth this year where he's been 
pricing limited fashion and at one point like questionable tag to the extent that like probably anyone else would sit out but he's played every single week so i'm operating under the assumption that trevor lawrence is playing which one that does become official will probably go to seven i mean i doubt it will go any higher because he's not going to be 100 percent. but like this jack team is just a total fade at this point i mean it, like the last three weeks the 25th in offense, 28th in defense in terms of net yards per play. Going against this Panthers team, who I still think the public perception is like they're the worst team in the league. And the last couple of weeks, their offense has been coming to life. Mm-hmm. Bryce definitely had the best game of his career or season last week. And if that, like the Panthers defense isn't bad, like they have been bad and they have been like very unhealthy. In the last two weeks, they've started to get healthy and they're top 10, top, excuse me, top 15 unit in the last three weeks, I want to say. Um, so like this Panthers defense is something that you could probably like hold your hat on if this Panthers offense just is totally back to early this season. Like this Panthers defense is something I, I actually trust. Where this Jags offense, like if they're like just operating it like they have the last couple of weeks, it really is Christian Kirk, I think. Like ever since Christian Kirk got hurt, like it's just been awful. But like this Panthers defense is good enough. Panthers offense has looked a lot better. It seems like it's been making strides ever since Frank Reich got fired. It seems like they are going balls out, which they literally have nothing to tank for because they don't have the number one pick. Right. So I'm just going to take the Panthers at plus six and a half. Like if you want to, like I wouldn't blame you for taking the six and a half right now. Um, I do think Trevor Lawrence is going to play. So I would also wouldn't blame you for waiting and probably getting a seven, maybe a seven and a half once he does become official. Like usually it's something I go like half, six and a half, wait for the news, news comes out, go the other half. Uh, But Panthers plus six and a half plus seven, like that's definitely a bet against this Jags team that like the only angle you would ever bet the Jags is if like you were just totally buying low. And outside of that, there's just nothing positive to say about them. And they were the number one seed like four weeks ago. In the right. AFC, and <laughs> I still think they're getting credit for their record, which they were eight and three. Now they're eight and six, eight and seven. And like they are, like they could miss the playoffs. Like there is a scenario that they miss the playoffs where they were number one seed four weeks ago. It's crazy. This um, speaks, so this time. speaks to Brandon's point though about the book maybe not, it's, it's trying to tempt you to take a team that's in contention, needs the game at eight and seven and a three way tie in the AFC South. Oh, look, you're getting the Jaguars inside a touchdown. And I will add, we record this podcast on a Thursday afternoon. Trevor Lawrence not present at practice today uh, in the media viewing portion of practice. Must add that. C.J. Beathard, Matt Barkley, E.J. Perry, the only quarterbacks present for that uh, Hmm. portion of practice. Presuming the line moves a point or two in either direction once we get some news on Lawrence. At six and a half, if Lawrence does miss and it drops a couple of points, that's kind of the no man's land anyways. Like, I'm not really sure you're gaining a lot here. So it seems to me, if you like this, obviously for the pod, we're giving out the line as it is right now. But I like this as well. But it seems like if I like it, I probably want to wait. I think I have more to gain by getting the extra points with Lawrence than I would lose if he's out. Do you agree with that? Yeah, like, I think if, like, Lawrence was out, it would go to, like, five and a half, which, <laughs> I mean, th- yeah, clearly and. In- I would say there's a lot more value in getting seven compared to six and a half than there is getting six and a half to five and a half. So yeah, I would agree. Okay. Very good. Like every, seven. every time Trevor Lawrence has been like expected to be out, like he's played. So like <laughs> I would be shocked. The dude does not mess. Out. Like the guy, <laughs> the guy <doesn't laughs> there's been game. like four times this year. 
Now his whole offensive line has golf carts and they can bring him around. So he's recovering. <laughs> oh All right, Joe, what do you got for a second one? You are going to go to a touchdown bet for this one. Yes. And I'm going to go to the Saturday game. I'm going to go to Cowboys Lions uh, and I'm going to take him on Ross St. Brown for an anytime touchdown. He's around plus 160. He's got eight touchdowns this year, five touchdowns over the last seven games, uh, averaging around 10 targets per indoor game. And I think indoors is the key word we need to talk about when we talk about the Detroit Lions, because they are night and day when compared to playing indoors as opposed to outdoors. Uh, you know, Jared Goff has a touchdown interception ratio over three, uh, three to one uh, indoors, where it's about one and a half to one uh, when playing outdoors. And again, I'm maybe a little too close to the source material. I'm not as high on the Dallas Cowboys defense, maybe as some others are, maybe even as something as simple as DVOA. But the Lions, I still think, should be able to move the ball on Dallas. And the Cowboys, they play man coverage at a top five rate in the NFL. And their pass rush, that's what they really are designed to do, is to get a lead and then basically completely engulf you in this pass rush. So that means Jared Goff is probably going to have to get rid of it quick. And that fits guys with the lower A dot, like an Amon Ross St. Brown or a Sam Laporta or a Jameer Gibbs, all having like kind of that lower A dot. But I will say I wouldn't mind if you sprinkled on somebody like Josh Reynolds at plus 490. But Amon Ross St. Brown, I think, is the guy that we want, especially because with the way that these teams match up and the way that they can move the ball, this game is probably going to have a similar pace to what we saw between Seahawks Cowboys for Thursday night football a couple weeks ago, where they're both mm -hmm. really to, able to get up and down the field and the totals reflecting that. I mean, the totals at 53, that game that we're, I just talked about had close to over 70 points. So I'm going to take the second best wide receiver in this game to score a touchdown. All right. I put you on the spot. Any chance Amon Ross St. Brown has an incentive in his contract too? Cause like I look at the line and I think to myself, all right, well the lions are maybe in a letdown spot. They just clinched a playoff spot. Cowboys have dropped two straight. So I know realize you're staying away from a side or a total, but if Amon Rod gets to a certain threshold of touchdowns, I wonder if that, that's in play too, even if it's not going well for the Lions, right? Something well, like you bring up a good point because uh, Brandon and I, we talk a lot about futures markets off, uh, off air. And we had talked about the receptions market, total receptions market. And at this point, this was about two weeks ago when Tyreek was going through his issues, um, that Amon Ross St. Brown was around 30 to one to lead the NFL in receptions. And okay. right now he's about four receptions off the lead. So he's about plus 300 to plus 400 right now to be that uh, receptions lead. C.D. Lamb probably and Tyreek Hill are still up there at the top. But the point is, is that he is very close to being in a position to lead the NFL in receptions by the end of the season. I can't imagine that he has a contract that doesn't have some sort of incentive tied into that. So I can't see why they would stop throwing it to him, especially when you look at the indoor splits. And you see that he he's averaging like 10 targets a game. He had 12 catches last week. So, uh, again, just very much a, a good matchup, I think, for him, especially given this pass rush, the way that how quickly they're probably going to get to Goff, that he's going to have to get it out. They need a receiver that's able to move around the field like Amon Ra and not just say stationary the way that they have Jameson Williams or Josh Reynolds in those cases. So, again, yeah, I, I think Amon Ra, I think the incentive is get as many receptions as possible and get that new contract. That's the there incentive. There you go, yeah. Better way of putting it too. Receptions, yards, and the touchdowns, of course, are the cherry on top. Be on the lookout for that from Evan Abrams. That's coming next week for sure. Uh, the incentives that can be hit in week 18. Final round of picks. Brandon, what do you got for your last one? 
Yeah, this is an ultimate buy low spot for the Chiefs offense right now. We watch them do nothing against the Raiders, do nothing against the Patriots. And if you are struggling to move the chains, why not turn your best weapon? You got to shake it off, shake it off. Give me Travis Kelsey over 59 and a half receiving yards against Mm -hmm. the Bengals. I think it's a really good get right spot, at least for the offense for the Chiefs. Bengals defense has been terrible all season long. And I think the Chiefs can at least offensively get things moving a little bit, especially if you've been following my every game, every team article week after week after week. I am betting tight ends against the Bengals. That has been a moneymaker for us second half of the season. Bengals are 31st in DVOA against tight ends. They're allowing the second most fantasy points to tight ends. They're allowed 1,020 yards so far, which is leading the league for tight ends. 98 receptions, which is two off the lead for tight ends. It's an average of six and a half catches, 68 yards a game. And obviously, Travis Kelsey isn't what he once was. But he's still Travis Kelsey. Like, there are a lot of teams with a lot worse tight ends here. Let me just read you really quickly. Here are some lines by tight ends that have played the Bengals. George Kittle, 9 for 149. Dalton Kincaid, 10 for 81. Dalton Schultz, 71 yards. Pat Fryermuth, 9 for 120. Evan Ingram, 9 for 82. TJ Hawkinson, 6 for 63. And that was all since week 8. Every one of those lines has happened since the second half of the season. Travis Kelsey, I think, is going to chew up this defense. Last two games in the playoffs when he played the Bengals, 10 for 95, 7 for 78, touchdown in both games. He's averaging about 70 yards a game in five games against the Bengals with Mahomes. So I just think it's a good spot for Kelsey here. 60 yards is all we need. I think we're buying the depth, right? Like how often are you going to ever get a receiving yards line for Travis Kelsey with a five in front of it? Let me do the math for you. 60 yards a game for an entire season, barely cracks a 1,000 yards. We know Travis Kelsey is not a 1,000-yard receiver. Like, this is a guy who's still well above that. He's had 58 yards or more, 9 of 14 games, even as he's struggled through injuries and everything else this year. So 64% of the time there. I kind of like the Bengals here overall. I think they can hang in early downs. And I mentioned that because I think that this suits up as sort of a playoff game. Like, I think that the Chiefs are going to have to go to their moneymaker here. And so you got some possible bad weather, possibly no Pacheco or Donovan Smith. That means check down city to me. I think there's a lot of reason to expect we're going to see the Chiefs have to push all the way here. And, uh, you know, season's on the line. They haven't even clinched a playoff spot right now. They got to still win the division. They got to get over the line here. Pat's going to turn to Travis, right? Like you're running out of options. You're going to go to your guy. So give me Travis Kelsey over 59 and a half receiving yards. I mean, it's easily the lowest I've ever. This is I can't remember. I don't know what it was last week, but a Kelsey line not in the '80s is like wild to me. It's crazy, Brandon. I know you. Are you playing escalators too? <laughs> you know, I I haven't seen lines yet on escalators just because there's a lot of the injuries in this game. So probably I will look more for a receptions escalator just because my guy can't quite okay. get downfield like he used to anymore. So I might look for maybe like up to a ten receptions. <laughs> Uh, maybe a combo play like uh, six receptions, 80 yards, and a touchdown sort of thing. So, yeah, the escalators will be there. Not as aggressively. I am more here playing the median. The median is just too low. Like Luke said, 59. Come on. Like, we're never going to see this line until he's at his deathbed. So, 
you know, it's a game in Kansas City. Taylor's probably going to be there. Let's just get the 60 yards and get out of here. I was even going to say to uh, Brandon right now, uh, Travis Kelsey, this is the third game this season that he has had plus odds for an anytime touchdown. Mm. But the fact that you're seeing those yardage lines around 55, it's at even odds right now. I probably would still say to play the yardage prop at the minus 110 odds than playing the touchdown odds at even. Uh, but I will say it shows you that what sports books and what they think of the tight end position against the Bengals because last week, Pat Frymuth broke mine and Nick Giffen's hearts with a <laughs> plus 470 touchdown bet on this Bengals defense. And he saw, I think, maybe one target. Uh, Travis Kelsey is obviously much better than Pat Fryermuth, and the fact that you're going from one starting tight end at plus 470 down to even odds shows that he's probably going to be pretty involved this week. Was one of those plus odd games last week, Kelsey? Because I know he was, was at like plus 125 plus, or something this open. Co- this is correct. Our colleague Charlie DeSterko was on him. Right. And uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to bring it up because I don't like pouring salt on the wound on uh, people <laughs> here, but uh, yeah, it did not work out. We're just, we're just educating. That's all. Uh, <laughs> that's all it is. It's not. Well, I, I like to dump on Charlie from time to time. That is kind of fun to do, admittedly. Uh, okay, Luke, you got one more for us too. What do you got? I'm gonna go with the Broncos land three and a half hosting the Chargers, which on Monday, Tuesday, before Russell Wilson was like benched for like being cut, it was five and a half, and this, it came down to three, um, which was definitely about a three. And I would still play this up to four, uh, but you're getting a discount on this Broncos team, which with Russell Wilson at QB, like you do not weigh numbers with them where they have to win by a margin because it just was never happening. Um, And Russell Wilson being benched, and I'm not saying Stidham is like this all-world QB, but you really do get, it's kind of like the feeling of like a game off of a coach getting fired. You you get that same vibe of like Russell Wilson getting benched, re-energizing this Broncos team, hosting... A Chargers team who literally just went off of that, where they almost beat the Bills last Saturday as, I want to say, 12-point underdogs, which was the game off of Staley being fired. So, like, games off of, like, huge things like this, there's always, like, the energy. Like, you really – it's, like, kind of like an auto bet where I'm really getting the same vibes on this Broncos team. It seems like Sean Payton wanted to bench Russell Wilson all season. Not that Sidham is his guy, but, like, he just – like. This isn't the same Broncos offense that could never win by margin n- anymore. Stidham had the same situation last year, came in, and he had the game of like his life. He threw for like five touchdowns, and then he Niners. fell back down to steeply to earth. In right. this spot, Chargers team still has Easton Stick. Easton Stick, two weeks ago, I think we all watched, and it was painful. Now he's going on the road in Denver. I think it's a primetime game only getting three and a half, like I would never bet the Chargers at these odds. And at three and a half, like this is, it's the backup angle. It's just, there's so many angles to this Broncos side that you just have to bet. Three would have been great. Three and a half, totally fine. I would still play it up to four. Um, So I'll take the Broncos laying three and a half, hosting the Chargers. Okay, that's a 430 game on Sunday, right up against Kansas City and Cincinnati. And the one thing about this, I would definitely bet this. Sooner rather than later. I don't see this yep. line going anywhere but up, especially if Keenan, which I don't expect Keenan Allen to play. I think he's mm-hmm. just shut down for the year, uh, which I feel like is already baked into this line, but you're probably going to get some, it will definitely move when he's ruled out. If he is ruled out, um, there's really no reason for a, I think he's 32 year old wide receiver to play um, at this point. So I would definitely jump on this now. All right. Excellent. Jill, take us home. One more touchdown bet for us. 
Cool. Yeah. And that Stidham uh, game that you're talking about, Luke, only only reason why I even know most about it is just because I had a ton of Raiders bets in that game and uh, hmm. it was against the Niners and like Darren Waller scores a touchdown. He's like plus 450 now. I mean, it felt like a lifetime ago now at this point with where Darren Waller is. But uh, all right, uh, let's talk about Packers Vikings. And I'm going to take pretty vanilla pick here, but Justin Jefferson should not be plus 125 to score a touchdown on this defense. He should probably be around minus 110. At even odds at best. And Justin Jefferson, he scored last week. He had 20, he's got 20 targets in the last two games. And that's probably only going to continue and maybe even increase even more because now there's no TJ Hawkinson. Jordan Addison is not practicing. Uh, we'll see how it goes throughout the week if he even plays. But again, it looks like it could be a lot of just Powell and Osborne out there with Jefferson. Uh, but honestly, I mean, Jaron Hall is going to be the starter this week. I know that people will tell me, look, Nick Mullins is a slinger. It, it can't possibly be any worse than what we saw with Nick Mullins or Josh Dobbs. I think it's also a product of this offense because all three of those court, uh, Nick Mullins, Josh Dobbs, and Kirk Cousins all have games with three or more interceptions uh, in, in a game. So I just think a lot of this offense is predicated on passing. That's why I'm a little higher on Jaron Hall coming in here, especially because they're facing a Packers defense that is 30th in DVOA versus the pass. 28th in DVOA to wide receiver one, seven passing touchdowns allowed in just the last three games. And Jair Alexander, after coin flip gate or whatever we want to call it, I guess, <laughs> he's not going to be out there shadowing Justin that. Jefferson. So I, I just think with the volume alone, you were going to probably see Justin Jefferson have 12 or more targets in this game. And if that's the case, and you're giving me plus 125 odds for probably a top three playmaker in the NFL. I'm going to take that. So Justin Jefferson at plus 125, he will score a touchdown against the Green Bay Packers. Right, they then. literally have no one else. So I don't know if that's like, I mean, Addison probably isn't going to play. Hawkinson is out. Like, yeah. I don't know if that's like a good thing or a bad thing where they're just going to like quadruple cover Jefferson because literally there's no one else. Or that is a just... good point, Luke. That is a good point. <laughs> but still, uh, but I, there's no one else to I, throw to. I, I would I would beg to differ. I think KJ Osborne at plus five hundred oh, yeah, is very good odds. Yeah, I know, but but that's okay. Even like, again, you should forget about him when you have an offense with Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, right. and Jordan Addison. But at the same time, when those guys are gone, we still got some scruff left. Why don't we throw KJ Osborne out there, who's going to play probably eighty-five to ninety percent of the snaps, and you're getting five to one odds on it. There you yeah, go. and uh, you, you mentioned Jair Alexander. He's a big miss here. Like when you watch these teams play that specific matchup, Alexander on Jefferson, like that dude, Jair is trash talk for like months in advance waiting to face off against Justin Jefferson. And so like now Jefferson just gets to go off with no Jair, no shutdown corner across. I know Jair is not what he once was, but to like to be able to have another big catch, to be able to score that touchdown and point over at the sideline to the guy in sweatpants being like, can't cover me on the sidelines, you coin flip dingus. Like, it's, <laughs> it's coming. And well, like, I mean- <laughs> this is a Sunday night game, and it's effectively a, an elimination game. Like, you got to win this game. Both of these teams yep. here, they're going to feed Jefferson. It's de- definitely, for my article, I'm on Jefferson, escalators and overs in this one. So it definitely looks like a touchdown spot for him in the matchup with no Alexander. There it is. The bunker will escalate at some point this weekend. Very good. Uh, Brandon, just to confirm, no look ahead this week. There's not much available out there right now because the books have been more wise to not put those lines out. Yeah, it's a bummer. Week 18 has always been one of the favorites because you, you sometimes get like 10 points of CLV or something crazy when the, the lines go crazy. Because obviously, <laughs> like, it's all the playoff scenarios, right? 
So so take a look at the lines. Like there's some of these lines you're going to be able to grab early in the week. And then come Tuesday, Wednesday, coaches being like, oh, you know, we might be resting our guys because uh, the way that the playoff setup comes or we're going to turn our attention to the young quarterback or give somebody a new start. Like that, that's, you know, weird stuff happens in week 18. Unfortunately, the books have given us no chance really to bet on that going into the week, but we'll get them. Just not right now on the look ahead. All right, everybody. Best of luck. Let's keep it rolling here on the Best Bets episode, the Best Bets podcast here on the Action Network podcast. That is going to do it for our week 17 episode. The Sunday six pack with Stucky and Raybon is also available to you wherever you get your podcasts. And once again, don't forget to download the free award-winning Action Network app to see all of these guys' picks. They've got more than just what they gave out here. They'll have more coming this weekend once more uh, clarity is available to us in the market. For Luke Swain, Jill Gallant, Brandon Anderson, Brendan Glasheen, thanks to our audio producer as well, David Payne, is working hard during the holidays, getting us up and running here uh, on the podcast side of things. That is going to do it for NFL Week 17 Best Bets here on the Action Network podcast. We're presented by BetMGM. Best of luck, and we'll talk to you next week in Week 18. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.